Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. <laughs> I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. I was thinking uh, over the past few days that everybody we meet to one degree or another participates in something that could be called a secret or occulted organization. It may be some like group you're a member of during your schooling days. It might be some weird, you know, class organization like the various orders that aristocrats have. Uh, It might just be fandom for a particular artist, right? Or, or something you're interested in. Or it might be a bond built upon surviving uh, a particular type of trauma, right? It might be something entirely extracurricular, but we're all members of all these various different things. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Just because a bunch of people are into some like weird Cadillac forum on the internet doesn't mean they're automatically the Illuminati, right? Like, aren't, aren't we all kind of into weird stuff? Yeah. I mean, you know, just by by virtue of being podcasters, we're sort of uh, softly initiated into a weird kind of uh, cabal of sorts, right? 
That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that, but that's a good point. Sorry, sorry. Hoot God. Anyway, today's, <laughs> this will make sense later or not. Uh, today's episode focuses on a particular school of thought. It's an organization that prizes itself on exclusivity, on the idea of initiation, accreting knowledge incrementally, and yes, a form of magic. So today's question, what is the Golden Dawn? Uh, here are the facts. Full name of it, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Today, we see it as an odd, uh, an odd group somewhat forgotten by the mainstream, but it played a fundamental role in today's magical organizations. The weirdest thing about it was at the time, in the 1890s, 1880s or so, it was well, I think it kind of functioned like a social network. I don't know what you guys think as as you dive in, but, you know, with magic, right? It's it's kind of an augmented reality, the more we think about it, similar to the Latitude Society. They took ideas that were a unique combination of ancient, pre-existing spiritual traditions, and then other stuff that was happening right before it in the realm of science and spiritualism. So like the Kabbalah, Egyptian, Greek mysteries, several strands of early Christian thought, all these esoteric uh, traditions combined in the late 1880s. And the story of the origin, oh, we'll let you be the judge. The story of the origin feels a little sketchy. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the the Hoot God. Okay, right? Hoot God. Sorry, Ben, you got to help us out here. What is this acronym? <laughs> I love the way this uh, is. <laughs> that's, that's me being lazy in the notes. It's just shorthand for the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. That's the one. They didn't call themselves Hoot God. They, well, we talked off mic how that would be a fantastic name for uh, likely a Florida rapper, perhaps? Gulf Coast, I believe is what you said, Ben? Yeah, I think so. Gulf Coast. You know, the name's indeed. out there. It's a great idea. Okay. All right. So, so the Hoot God, uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, uh, was founded in 1887 by a Freemason uh, by the name of William Wynne Westcott. WWW. Lots of fun alliteration there. Also in this group of founders was Samuel Liddell McGregor Matthews uh, and William Robert Woodman, the least impressive of those three names. And all of uh, them were Masons. Yes, indeed. Correct. A, a group of Masons. Uh, and allegedly they based their founding of this group on a series of writings that were collectively known as the Cypher Manuscripts, which is definitely the name of the first album from Hoot God. No question about that. Um, so these cipher manuscripts are a group of 60 different uh, folios, I guess you could call them, um, outlining a series of magical intention rites or rituals, right? A ritual is something that is intended to produce a result through uh, synchronized um, incantations or something or movement. Various things can go into a ritual. This podcast contains quite a few rituals, in fact. You might not even realize it. Um, but these things were corresponding Responding to the uh, spiritual elements of air, earth, water, and fire. Um, and which hard. When, Kidding. Yeah. No, I was about to say, their powers combined, they are, in fact, Captain Planet. Yeah, and you, you can think about these rituals and rites, the things that were contained in these manuscripts, somewhat somewhat like a, a mixtape, really. Uh, it's 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 an anthology. We, we already mentioned it above, all of these varying thoughts and schools of thought kind of going together into one thing. All types of different, what you would call magical theory, either with a C or a K, mostly with a K. And a lot of it is, is just steeped in symbolism. 
So when you, when you're looking at these these things, the reason why Hoot God is so interesting and funny to me, it reminds me of Minerva and representations mm-hmm. of the owl. And we were just speaking about this on a listener mail episode. Um, Esoteric wisdom, right? Yeah, and and really the, this 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 manuscript, the cipher manuscript, is kind of like a, a beginner's manual, but it's also the advanced stuff kind of all together in one. It's just everything you need to operate as a member of the Hermetic Order of Golden Dawn. Yeah, so the if you look at the watermarks on, on these folios, on the actual text themselves, it looks like they were created back in 1809. So the that's one theory. Uh, they are written in code, and like you said, Matt, they contain diagrams, symbols, but they also contain this written text. It's not a particularly difficult code to crack. Numbers are substituted by Hebrew letters. So, for example... Aleph equals one. According to the order's own records, Westcott himself discovered slash decoded the text in around 1887, like we said, when the order was founded. It's important to note that these founding members, they all had day jobs. That's going to be a complicating factor in in just a bit. Uh, Westcott claimed that uh, he had just found these, been given them. He did not say that he had written them though later historians would suspect, indeed, some of his colleagues would accuse him of just writing them himself and then claiming some more prestigious authorship. It could have also possibly been written by Edward Bulwer-Lytton, who was a popular author at the time associated with some of these occult beliefs, uh, or a lot of fans of his work were also fans of these sorts of magical practices. Today, you'll recognize Bulwer-Lytton most easily uh, as the inspiration of one of my favorite contests, the Bulwer Lytton Fiction Contest. Have you guys heard about this? No, oh, never. Another great name, though. <laughs> I, I suggest we all consider uh, entering the contest just if you're bored of an afternoon one day. It's an official annual contest to write the worst opening sentence of any possible novel. And uh, I haven't won yet. Like you, you try to imagine what the worst novel ever would be, and then you write the first sentence for that novel. That should give you a sense of the kind of writing Bulwer Lytton did when he was alive. Wow. Do <laughs> do grammatical errors count toward the badness of it, or does it? Do you just have to get that stuff right? It's just the arrangement, or no? I guess the the words that you put in there, grammatically correct, just need to be terrible. <laughs> You know, sky's the limit, I say. Uh, get creative with it. Uh, this, the winner of 2020's contest was Lisa Kluber of San Francisco. This is the winning sentence. Her dear John missive flapped unambiguously in the windy breeze, hanging like a pizza menu on the doorknob of my mind. I thought that all was right. all right. They won. Anyway. That feels so, more exciting than it should. I disagree. The pizza <laughs> menu. Like the, one of the things with the little doorknob holes in it, right? Uh-huh. They, they, okay. Got it. Also, completely unrelated, we were talking about proprietary eponyms. I learned that doorknob is one. Doorknob is like a brand name. Anyway, so back to these texts. We don't know who really wrote them, but there are some guesses. Uh, it we're going to give you the version of the order itself, and then we'll give you some of the critics' ideas. So Westcott told his compatriots that not only had he decoded these texts, which uh, illuminated various mysteries, 
But in the process of deciphering this stuff, he found the address of a German aristocrat and Rosicrucian named Anna Sprengel. Anna Sprengel was not your average aristocrat. Westcott believed that she had the ability to contact some sort of supernatural and or extra dimensional entity, uh, which they were collectively referred to as the secret chiefs, which is a term I had never heard before. Like we've heard machine elves, right? There's a band called the secret chiefs, like kind of a weird, uh, almost like Mr. That was actually related to Mr. Bungle, but kind of like almost like a metal jazz band called the secret chiefs. I never knew where that term came from. I always thought it was the oddest name. Yeah, the, so hid, the Hidden Kings. This is, this is very interesting. Uh, hmm. All right. So allegedly, the Hidden Kings are the ones who wrote this thing? Or inspired, uh, the guided the hand of the person who did write them, right? And this isn't necessarily a new idea. The idea of divinely inspired written text, right? This is, um, this is something that dates back to religions of old it continues today with various organizations. The secret chiefs themselves are specifically mentioned in earlier works, like uh, one called The Cloud Upon the Sanctuary back in 1795 by a name that, Noel, I will defer to your uh, German in pronouncing. Okay, I'm going to give this my, my young German boy all. Uh, let's see, this would be Karl von Eckertschausen. Karl Von Eckartshausen. Maybe it's more of an Eckartshausen. Uh, maybe, I may be doing too hard of an SH, but I've given it my all. This is the best I can do. I like both of them. Thanks, man. So, so I love it. So uh, this gentleman allegedly wrote this thing way, way before. Well, it, not that far before, if it was, in fact, you know, written in 1809. But it was, as we said, discovered in 1887. So he wrote this work, The Cloud Upon the Sanctuary, in 1790s, 1795, something like that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we see a rough timeline that we can trace through the use of these particular phrases, right? This is secret chiefs, hidden kings, stuff like that. The Golden Dawn did differ from some earlier, arguably similar groups. It even differed from some groups that would exist around the same time period because it did not restrict membership along the lines of gender. Unlike Freemasonry, women were treated as equals and allowed into this order. It's progressive for its time. So things started going wrong pretty quickly. Spoiler. Uh, Westcott had to leave leadership of the order when he literally lost some papers in a cab. He just forgot to take them. You know, it's like leaving your phone in an Uber, but you have the Necronomicon with you on your phone or something. Um, or your phone, it's, your phone is the Necronomicon. Your phone is the, is the Necronomicon. Uh, so the secret chiefs did not appear to help him out. Uh, as far as his day job goes, because word got to his employers, they discovered his connection to this group that at the time would seem pretty odd, and they gave him a choice. They said, look, you can keep working here and stop messing around with magic, WW, or you can leave because you will be fired. So Westcott thought about it. We don't know too many of the specifics. Ultimately, he said, you know, I'm going to stick with my career as a coroner. Uh, and I am going to still be associated, you know, low key with this group, but I'm not going to be an active, prominent member because I got bills to pay. He was a coroner and he was dabbling in magic. 
Does that mean he was? Uh, is he stealing organs and other gutty parts for from black magic CK uh, rituals? I mean, if you wanted to be a necromancer, that's a pretty good place to start. Yeah, no one's gonna miss an errant spleen here and there. That's that's true. Uh, you know, I thought the same thing too. I couldn't find and tell us if you have an inside scoop, folks. But I couldn't find any reports of that. Of course, we're we're joshing a bit. We don't want to just. Accuse somebody of necromancy. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just, look. <laughs> just stating the fact that if there are corpses near your person as part of your day job, that mm-hmm. it would be helpful if one were interested in some of those dark arts. That's all. Yes. Well said. And it's a very good point. Also, I just love that in the context of this episode, it sounds like we have in the past ruin someone's lives by accusing them of being a necromancer. <laughs> now we're taking pains to make sure that's not the case. But you're right. You're right. Circumstantial, if nothing else. It's definitely uh, the pieces are there, right? Um, we just don't know what sort of picture the puzzle makes. Last so, thing, it, it would just, yeah. it would be a headline in like the mirror or something. Uh, local area person accused of necromancy uh, <laughs> loses job over kerfuffle and no one would ever think about it again. Just say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First paragraph. It's like a uh, local corridor uh, was discovered after leaving magical documents and grimoires in Uber. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yes. You know what? Maybe we should write for the mirror. But look, this this is a true story and the rest of it, the rest of the story of the group's origin uh, and its evolution quickly descends into a story of obscure conspiracies, wheels within wheels, competing motivations, competing uh, magical philosophies, secret societies forming like within secret societies and then a study of just good old fashioned backstabbing. But what actually happened to the Golden Dawn and perhaps uh, most uh, most importantly, did any of the magic work? We'll dive into this after a word from our sponsors. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then 
you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com. F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is an investment legal or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Here's where it gets crazy. Let's tackle those two questions separately, right? What actually happened to the organization? And, you know, how did the organization work? And then we'll get to, we'll get to the magic. We have to get to the magic at some point. So, yeah, let's talk about how popular the old Golden Dawn was in its heyday, if you will. Um, it was a big part of Victorian society. Strangely enough, you, you wouldn't imagine that. Magic was, was running wild in regular society? Well, yes, somewhat. Not, not fully, but somewhat, right? There were all kinds of notable members from the top of society all the way down to the bottom. There was one member named Annie Horneman. Uh, this person actually built Ireland's Abbey Theater. Have you ever heard of that? That's a famous theater that exists. This person built that. She was also a member of the Golden Dawn. Pretty cool, huh? And then, and then there were uh, a lot of poets and authors involved. Like William Butler Yeats is probably one of the most famous members of the Golden Dawn or one of the most well-remembered in the modern day. And he is on record saying that other than writing poetry, which he's kind of known for, the other most important pursuit of his life was his membership in the Golden Dawn, which is a big thing to say. Uh, other authors like uh, Algernon Blackwood were also members. And then well-to-do people, uh, scientists, uh, folks who were practicing forms of meditation, things like that. Folks who were just interested in hanging out and talking about this stuff. Really quickly, I just wanted to mention, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Guys, that um, Alex, our buddy Alex Williams' podcast, Ephemeral, uh, did like a special Halloween episode where they did a reading of an uh, of an Algernon Blackwood story. Yeah, and we were literally talking about that a few hours ago about the, how influential Algernon was and and is still on like horror writing, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, a tremendously influential horror writer. So it, it makes sense that in his uh, non-authorial time, he would be interested in these sorts of 
spiritual, philosophical explorations. But of course, there is one other person associated with uh, with the Order of the Golden Dawn uh, in a controversial way. This is a guy who you are doubtlessly familiar with if you've listened to our show before. He's occasionally referred to as the Great Beast. That's right. Alistair Crowley. I'm saying Crowley on purpose. You could call him Crowley if you want. But after the, the comments on YouTube, uh, we I will forever see his name be traumatized and then say, Crowley, it's Crowley. <laughs> but but you, you're aware of that name and you're likely aware of the Golden Dawn because of him. At least I, I certainly was. And we'll 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 dive into his association, which I think gets a little bit exaggerated sometimes, uh, given the rest of his other work post Golden Dawn. But the downfall of this organization or the troubles it would have in its evolution, uh, these were all present in the early days in its formation. For the first few years, it was just that it was a single group of people studying these cipher manuscripts together, right? And they were reading this stuff saying, hey, what do you think about this philosophy of air? You know what I mean? Or this passage about fire. This group, this initial group, would later be called the Outer Order or the First Order. And all you did in the First Order was get graded by fellow members and superiors uh, in terms of your understanding of the of the arts and philosophies explored in those initial texts we mentioned, earth, air, fire, water. You began as a neophyte. You eventually progressed through several ranks to become a kind of intermediate. Why is there an intermediate thing if the outer order is like complete? Well, it's because in 1892, a secret society kind of begins in this secret society. It calls itself the inner order or the second order the cool part of the cool kids club. And uh, the second order is entirely composed of people who have, uh, who have literally passed a written examination about the stuff from the, the first order. And you can, you can join up the, with the first order, but getting into the second order requires social approval. Uh, the other people that are already in the order have to dig you. They have to think you're on the same page. And that's where you start learning what, we as outsiders would probably call practical or applied magic and ritual. But it doesn't end there. They have three ranks, Adeptus, Minor, Major, and at the top, Exemptus. Uh, there is a third order, however. This is really where it gets really weird. If, if the third order is real, then Matt, I was thinking of our conversations about that excellent video game, Control, uh, that you had recommended a while back. Um, if the third order is real, it's composed of things that are like those extra dimensional monsters in control. Totally. It's a, uh, it's what, what do we call it? The secret chiefs, right? Like mm -hmm. they, they exist in another realm in another place, but that they are the power structure that is above even the adept and the exemptus. Yeah. And if you are, Exemptus, or if you are high enough in your understanding and your membership in the second order, then you can function as an intermediate for these uh, otherwise unobservable entities. And this, of course, wrinkles some feathers, uh, especially when Mather, the guy we mentioned earlier, when he starts being a, a very strict leader and he's like the 
he's like the voice of these entities and no one else can communicate with them except for him. He brings the divine knowledge. Oh, he's got the hotline or what was what it called? He's like in that room that's separated mm-hmm. from everything. And you can, you pick up the phone and you can talk to the board. That's him. Uh, so as you can see, this tendency for in groups to create even more insular groups within themselves eventually led to tension, distrust, internal conflict, and ultimately, these conflicts led to the downfall of the organization after its, wait for it, golden age. It did have a golden age. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We had to. It did have a golden age, though, because at the time, you know, it it was something that people accept, like, it was controversial at first, but eventually it became an accepted thing in society. It wasn't seen as necessarily in opposition to the status quo, if that makes sense. Like it would be, it was no longer something you would necessarily get fired for. In fact, it might've made you look kind of cool. And the thing in, despite these earlier problems, uh, the golden dawn, some version of it exists today in the modern day in multiple places. It is possible to become a member uh, and we can tell you how toward the end of today's show. Oh, can't wait. Ben, is this like, really magic or is it sort of symbolic magic like for the sake of a club and camaraderie like do they really think they're affecting you know outcomes of like world events or like how deep does this go Mm, it's a great question let's get to the magic right this is so we've got we've got the background all the stuff we talked about did really happen but what kind of magic were these members practicing magic can mean a million different things if you Read up on the history of the group, it's easy to get deterred because it falls into a lot of talk about structure, organization. There are a lot of foreign phrases, a lot of jargon, terminology, things like that. So it's easy It's easy to get uh, turned off by that. But it's crucial to note, again, like Matt said earlier, uh, the Golden Dawn did borrow heavily from earlier spiritual belief systems, but it was not in itself a religion. When we define magic, we're inherently, uh, our definition is inherently relying upon a specific cultural lens. Like there's practical magic, right? Can Can I make this thing float? Can I have precognitive dreams or send my um, consciousness away from my body? And then there's the more metaphorical stuff, like who are we in the universe and what what is this whole reality thing? So they had, maybe we start with the metaphysical stuff. They had a number of metaphysical pursuits at play. Yeah, that's right. Uh, So the idea is that through ceremony and ritual, like we were talking about, uh, an individual might be able to achieve um, kind of that esoteric knowledge, that knowledge of the of the gods, perhaps, or like of the spheres that otherwise would be completely out of reach uh, for mere mortals, right? The kind of stuff that would like blow your mind up if if, uh, if someone that was not prepared to receive it uh, did. Um, so that includes things like being able to leave your body or, or with, leave your body spiritually and uh, project your consciousness into other places, a process known as astral projection. Um, clairvoyance, you know, psychic powers, being able to read people's minds or see the future. Um, or uh, very specific to this belief system, uh, communicating specifically 
with those secret chiefs he would reach uh, on another plane of existence entirely. Then you get into more abstract kind of philosophical ideas um, that are wrapped up in it. Things like uh, hidden truths, that there's unity within all the things, or those interconnectedness, uh, and uh, things that might at first appear to be a little contradictory, right? Yeah, just a, just a bit. Yeats talks about it when he says he, he describes it as tapping into the single energetic mind or the single memory of nature. You know what I mean? It's we, we see this reflected in later ideas about Earth as a super organism, right? The Gaia hypothesis and so on is similar to that. But really, then, from the abstract lens, what they are saying is that magic can be defined as the process of removing limitations and preconceptions, Right, So the alchemy that takes place is an alchemy of cognition, more so than an alchemy of uh, metals, right? of base metals to gold. You know, it, it really makes yeah. me wonder if they had a specialist mage that could, let's say, remove all the water from your body or another <laughs> one that could infect your brain with all of the known and unknown things that could possibly happen to your brain. You know, just in, if you ever come across... I don't know, some kind of ancient octopus entity, like you could get it removed from your body and you'd need a specialist like that. I've been watching too much Sabrina. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to watch it. It just happened. <laughs> Sabrina, the teenage witch. Sorry, geez. Wait, no, I heard it was really good. Oh, <sighs> uh, yeah. Sorry, let's move on. What, it freaked okay, you out? Well, yeah, what's, you okay? Just having flashbacks. Uh, the production value this season is really good. <laughs> All right, well, I'll check it out, man. Uh, yeah, so if we if we take these claims of extrasensory perception and maybe even supernatural powers aside, if we just bracket that for a second, then some of the descriptions of what people are doing here, practicing, sounds kind of like therapy, right? It's kind of like a, a, a self-inventory. Um, or, or what's that, that great quote describing magic? Weaponized psychology. So it's it's maybe not so much changing your external reality as it is enhancing your ability to perceive reality as it always was. It's allowing you to experience things in a new, more conscious way. And I was thinking about this, like as far as an analogy, um, remember back when we were doing an episode on Ireland's Vanishing Triangle and Matt, you did something really interesting, which is you went to you went through Google Earth. I believe, and you started constructing an overlay, a skin to put on the area uh, such that we could see different events and see when they occurred. That has a lot of similarities with the idea of philosophical magic here, right? Oh, yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. It's, it's also very reminiscent of modern insular groups that we've discussed on this show recently. I'm th I'm thinking about Nexium, thinking about our discussions with Mike Rinder, thinking about uh, it just has very 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 similar things where on the surface there appears to be exactly what you're saying here, Ben, um, a self help kind of thing, a self improvement or uh, map that you get to follow, but at the end of that map there's something that is really hidden, <laughs> or or there's something you know just very different. Or a different a route to get there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The Google Earth example, right? Maybe you apply an overlay or a skin uh, 
on an area of Google Earth that you're looking at, and maybe you have one map that shows future planned constructions. So you go down the street view, you walk around, you've got this cool map that says this is coming in 2023 or this is coming in 2054. Or alternatively, you could have a map that shows how a place looked a thousand years ago. This is what London looked like back in, you know, 1021 or something like that. You haven't then necessarily changed anything about the outer world, but you have changed your perception of it. And therefore, your actions will reflect and potentially benefit from this new perspective. Uh, From a secular viewpoint, if we want to look just at the group dynamics of this, there could be another kind of magic at play. And we might, some people might not want us to call it magic, but I, I think it's not too different. Social engineering, right? It's a club. Yeah, the the society itself would let the members of the different classes and background that that existed in society, uh, people who would be considered by others to be lowly, others to be you know notable and and in power essentially, allow them to interact and encounter each other in ways that they just wouldn't have that opportunity outside of being in this group. So it was merit-based in some way? It wasn't just, you know, cutting off certain parts of the social, you know, ladder? Like, like it wasn't closed off to, to the, lower, uh, the lower classes? Yeah, apparently it was unusually uh, progressive. That's fascinating. In that way. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's not necessarily sinister. So I, I, I don't want to poison the well. But for anybody who's read the Wheel of Time series uh, by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson... There is an organization of bad guys uh, in, in the story. They're called Dark Friends, and they, they function kind of the same way. They have this hidden knowledge. They have signals they use to indicate their presence to one another. Um, also similar, Matt, to the Latitude Society, right? Uh, dark Friends are fictional, and Dark Friends are definitely antagonists, but the, this organization itself is not necessarily antagonistic, nor is it necessarily sinister, but it definitely feels cool to be included, right? You're like, oh, hey, what did you do today? Uh, I went to, I went to the pub and then I talked with a fellow member of my order who happens to be, you know, the Duke of Middlebury on sandwich or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it it reminds me of some of these country clubs that exist or these private health clubs or something where, but in this case that the entry fee, the bar to entry is different. It's very different. It's more about, are you, are you interested in this more esoteric version of the world or, or of reality? And that's really all you need. You're still going to have to pay something to get in, but it, it, you know, you don't have to spend several thousand dollars. And of course there were, there were cases of con artists being involved uh, in impersonating members of the order or claiming to be a temple when they were, you know, just doing a money grab. But this kind of street, this kind of social circuit, moves both ways. So not only did it allow people to have access to maybe influential individuals they might not have otherwise interacted with, uh, it is also possible that these influential individuals themselves could have used their presence in the organization to advance their own worldly goals. Hey, you know, great meeting today. Before we leave, uh, I need you to help me 
with this import deal I'm working on, things like that. You know, it's, it's quite possible. And it's also quite possible that all of this was occurring at the same time and that different people were prioritizing different things in their relationship to the organization. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor and then we'll return with a, um, well, with a great example of, of, of when these motivations uh, contradict one another. Oh, God. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Does money stress you out? Let Facet flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding Facet immediately put us at ease. Facet's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order and that makes us facet for life now i guess <laughs> visit facet.com f-a-c-e-t.com to learn more this ad is sponsored by facet facet wealth is an sec registered investment advisor this is not an offer to buy or sell securities nor is it investment legal or tax advice these testimonials are from current facet members who are not compensated all opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome and we're back to talk about the the dark one himself the great beast the grand magician wizard high wizard i made up all those except for the the great beast i believe alistair crowley alistair crowley here here he is ladies and gentlemen alistair crowley (laughs) 
uh, he uh, he did he he was around in in the late 1800s and joined the order in 1898. And he is an episode all his own. He's one of those kind of phantom topics we mentioned earlier because comes up in in various related topics. Uh, the Golden Dawn heavily influenced a lot of what he would go on to write and a lot of what he would go on to claim to believe. He did not really care for a lot of the members that were already in the organization when he joined up because he thought he thought they were like Holden Caulfield style phonies. You know, he said, look, you're you're not in this for the real reasons. You're in it because it works out for you socially or it gives you um, material rewards. You're, you're in, in the country club. You're in the country club. Yeah, exactly. You were saying this should not be a country club. It's kind of like the way someone might take up golf, not because they care about golf, but because it gives them access to money, advancement, and power. So that's what he, that's his issue uh, that he had with a lot of those members, but they also had some issues with him. Mm -hmm. He was a bit of a libertine, a bit of a hedonist, you know, uh, very open about it. A little bit. A little bit, yeah, uh, and wasn't ashamed of of his uh, his sexual proclivities, uh, and was very gregarious, and then just you know really kind of brought a whole another BD energy kind of to the to the group, you know, uh, bellicose and derogatory, didactic, correct, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he uh, he progressed through that first order where you're learning most of these spiritual metaphysical concepts and he wanted to be in the second order but a lot of people were against it they were like this guy no way do you know what he gets up to on the weekends uh he goes so to pyramids <laughs> with his wife and they you should see the incantations oh, oh, no, that was heavens. later that was later yeah they're like how disgusting tell me more in detail uh yeah so there was there was controversy right but uh the guy that he was following, Mather, uh, liked him. And so Mather unilaterally inducted him into this second order, which caused a, a great deal of problems. Uh, he became like Mather's sort of, he, he did things for Mather. And he also experimented heavily with uh, the ritualistic use of drugs. Uh, the Everything comes to a culmination when he and his mistress try to take over a space that was rented by the order in West Kensington. This goes to court. And when the case goes to court, he loses. And that's, that's one of the final nails in the coffin of his official membership. But weirdly enough, and you know, he went on to do all the other stuff that you know about, but weirdly enough, his interaction with this group, is one of the few reasons mainstream society talks about the Golden Dawn today. Even if he didn't like them, he helped keep their legacy around. Oh, yeah. And that's what we talked about. I mean, that he he is probably the search term that that gets many people to a hermetic order site or to a, something written about hermetic order. It's because they, they went Alistair Crowley. <laughs> um but, but, you know, that there's something really interesting that we can talk about here, because as open as they were, as as large of a membership as the Golden Dawn had, they were able to keep a lot of their stuff very, very quiet. At least the materials they used 
to uh, learn rituals, to learn a lot of the you know more secretive knowledge, they were able to keep that stuff hidden at least pretty well. Mm-hmm. And this uh, this occurs, of course, because they know everybody who would have access to that information, kind of like the way in a film production scripts will be watermarked. So you know what what leaked or what didn't leak. Uh, Even some specifics of the story might be excised or changed just a bit. So you can say, oh, we put that typo there in purpose. That way we would know if Reginald or whoever spilled the beans. Uh, Reginald the PA always stealing scripts and sending them over to where do you send scripts? I I don't even know. Scripts? You mean prescriptions or scripts? Script. Like screenplays. Oh, screenplays. Okay. What? Oh, you like you're leaking it to TMZ? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Okay, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. That, that works. And then uh, somewhere right now, J.J. Abrams is listening to this podcast, and he throws his uh, fist up in the sky, and he goes, Reginald! He knew it. <laughs> Dude, so, don't mess with Disney. If you're going to steal a script, don't mess with Disney. No, don't mess with the mouse. No, uh, he true. will come for you, and he's terrifying in person, mm-hmm. let me tell you. Huh, he stole my script. <laughs> Oh, there's a darkness inside me. No, <laughs> nah, he's one of the founding members. Okay, yeah. So, so, so mouse aside, um, they all took a specific vow of silence, but that vow of silence didn't last, and that is why today you can see detailed descriptions of various specific rites on any number of websites. Like Hermetic.com is is a pretty great resource, and don't worry, folks, it's. Not a bunch of witches like cackling around a cauldron or practicing human sacrifice. What's interesting here is that the Golden Dawn itself, nothing ever happens in a vacuum, right? The Golden Dawn itself occurs in the same kind of cultural context of spirituality, spiritualism rather, and science, of emerging psychology. Like the Western fascination with what they called Eastern mysteries, like meditation or yoga, they definitely came bundled up with a lot of xenophobia, a lot of racist notions of the time, but there turns out to be genuine science to the benefits of things like mindfulness and exercise. You're practicing rhythmic breathing. You know what I mean? You're you're moving your body in, in a healthy way and, and you're exploring your own mindset. So that's like that's beneficial to people. Absolutely it is. And, you know, I mean, whether or not these practices will grant you, you know, the ability to commune with uh, the astral plane or across the astral plane, is it a thing you have to cross or a place that you occupy? I'm not quite sure. Or or be able to speak with those machine elves. We, we talked about that in the in the Kesha episode that, that, that you got to have DMT for that uh, business. Uh, it, here's a surprising thing. Um, maybe not to everybody, but there is, this seems like pretty progressive. I, I would argue like even in the earliest forms where they're letting, you know, regular old folks join in. And, uh, they thought Aleister Crowley was a creep, <laughs> but there apparently is a, a far right version of this organization. Yeah. Unfortunately they have, they have a very similar name, uh, but they are not, they're hopefully not related past the name. Uh, and of course, we, you know, we have people who have um, read up on the Golden Dawn in the audience here. Uh, so we wanted to be clear there's a different organization that has very little to do with magic. It is uh, the Golden Dawn is a far right political party in Greece. They've got a number of uh, policy platforms. The main thing is they want to return Greece to a military dictatorship. And they say the benefits of this would be superior to the current Greek government. Uh, 
Here's here's the thing. They're often described by many people as neo-Nazis. Many members of the party disagree with that characterization, but I did I did put a little link to their official banner. Uh, Matt Knoll, uh, I'd love to hear you guys describe this on air. I, I, I mean, I, I'd love to. I will describe it, but it's like it, it it has way more than a whiff of a swastika. I mean, you look at it and it practically feels like a swastika until you look a little closer and realize that it's twisted a little differently. It kind of looks like a hedge maze or something, but it's just very swastika esque. Matt, what, what what how does it how does it strike you? Well, I guess it depends on which one we're looking at, uh, because I know. I think one of them is a slightly different color than the other. I know that their standard colors are red, black, and white. And when when you've got the black symbol on top of the red background... That's where your mind goes. That's right. There's mm-hmm. a distinct flavor, let's say, mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean, like, just because they chose colors that look like that and just because their symbol is, you know blocky shapes that are look like they could be a swastika doesn't mean they are like that fact doesn't mean that they are in any way related to Nazis or anything like that. Colors aside, it definitely has a whiff of of a swastika though. But (laughs) the the but is uh, you should see the ideologies that they're associated with um, for, you know, many, many, many people who write about this group, uh, several people who have, you know, come from this group to talk about it. Um, Good Lord, don't even look at the Wikipedia page because it it will tell you all of the varying ideologies that it (laughs) They're associated. With. It'll, it'll probably get you on some kind of list just for pulling it up too. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. In the interest of you know giving their own reasoning for this banner, uh, they say that it is it has nothing necessarily to do with Nazism. It is a depiction of what is called a uh, meandros. Meandros is a kind of decorative border in a, in a continuous line. Like you've seen it at every Greek restaurant you've ever been to probably in some form. Uh, so that that's what that's at least their argument. But as Matt said, if you just take a quick dip into their Wikipedia page, you'll see the uh, various members of the group and leaders have been found guilty of murder, attempted murder, attacks on immigrants, the creation of an organized crime ring. And they've been, you know, convicted. Uh, so maybe Maybe they should take a take a cue from the other Golden Dawn and just try some meditation. I, I agree. Let's let's do that all around. Let's do that. Did do we mention that their salute is kind of the same one? It's the exact same one. Same one. <laughs> uh, they, you know, according to officials from the group or people spokespeople from the group is, you know, again has a different inspiration, but it's like Vanilla Ice. Years and years ago, when he described the slight difference in a drum beat to say a song was unique, you remember that it was on behind the music yeah, or something. Yeah, there's one little extra dumb because ours goes and theirs goes. Case closed. You know what I mean? It's right. like yeah. So this is uh, it's just important for us to say this because uh, what it means is if you want to learn more about joining an organization affiliated with the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, just make sure you're joining the right. Outfit, double check the website. You know what I mean? Be careful. Uh, Also, as a message to anybody who actively investigates 
uh, these sorts of schools of thought or philosophical explorations. Uh, we are obviously outsiders to this, but we find it fascinating uh, because it touches on so many levels of society at the time. You know what I mean? And there's there's a boldness to the exploration in, in theory. And that's where we leave it to you, folks. What do you think? Is the Golden Dawn, is or was it, really teaching people magical rites? Was it really giving people extraordinary abilities or allowing them to commune with uh, the board, the management of reality? I got to tell again, and I, I promise this last time I won't bring it up. Control is such a cool game. It might, I don't know if it's the best, but it might be my favorite game I played during the pandemic. Really? I'm in such an unfortunate position where I'm like, past the point of no return in several games. Uh, Like, like I'm like, you know, good midway through last of us two. And and that gave me such a bummer that I can only play it for a little at a time. It's also pretty hard. And uh, I'm almost done with the breath of the wild. And I've still got red dead Two installed on my machine, which is like 300 gigs. So I've got like, you know, guilt about not finishing that. So I'm like convincing myself that I'm going to, but I keep hearing about these cool new games. There's this like Ghost of uh, Tsushima or something like. Uh, it's like oh yeah, Sam- it's great. I heard that's fabulous. And then you guys keep talking about this control. Is that a Switch game or is it only PS4? Where, where, where can I get this game? Um, so I can dig myself deeper. I think it's everything. I don't know okay. if it's on Switch though. Well, I've got I've got PS4. I might it's X Files meets big government conspiracy meets Lovecraft. Is it like long form game? Is it like uh, mm-hmm. okay? It is. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> there. Their rules for uh, communication with extra dimensional entities are things like you have to go through this weird time bubble where it's always mid-afternoon at a strange hotel. Anyhow, uh, do you do you think that there it is possible that these extra dimensional entities, whatever you want to call them, do you think it's possible that they exist and that uh, members of the Golden Dawn somehow figured out? a way to contact them or was this organization functioning more as an uh, an experiment of sorts with social interaction or was it something in between you know um we'd we'd love to hear from you yeah uh please and did we did we tell people how to join we did not because Uh, you can Right now, yes. you want to get in on this Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn in 2021 or whenever you're listening to this, past, present, or future, you can do it. There is a website you can go to. Prepare yourselves and your wallets. Uh, it is www.golden-dawn.com. Uh, and once you get there, you can look up memberships and you will find... That at least on this date we record this in March of 2021, you can join for the low, low price of one hundred and ninety nine dollars U.S. It used it used to be one thousand one hundred and eighty eight dollars and it's got a slash through it. But now it's only one hundred and ninety nine dollars. Is that is that just like a limited time offer or is this just the new the new rate? I do not know, but you get no lots and lots of books and PDFs. It looks like a dagger, perhaps at least maybe um, some very interesting folks on the front of that live webinar training picture. I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated. Maybe we uh, maybe we draw straws and one of us joins up. 
and then breaks the vow of silence for the other two. Dude, I'll, I'm not breaking a vow of silence. If I if I join up, I'm taking this seriously, you guys. Of course. Okay, you're 100% in. So then it would be a conversation where to talk with you about it, we have to also join up. Yeah, you better believe it. I'm not going in $200 just to give you guys all the information. <laughs> Wait, is, 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 there, is there any criteria other than just, have, just paying the fee? I mean, I, I would love to think that there was some kind of, you know, test of might that you would have to pass or mental fortitude, you know? I mean, I'm cool with it being like not about like your wealth because that that's a reasonable enough fee. But I don't want to be in there if it's if it's like you, just anyone can join. I mean, the I wrong crowd. I think it should right. be merit merit based merit. But no, now that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it should be you should be able to you have to bring something to the table. Well, I'm saying. Well, you do have to pass a written examination, at least in the original Golden Dawn, to move to the second or inner order. Uh, yeah. So there's there's a rubric. Like not everybody can do this. It says not everybody's going to make it. Okay, great. This is this is important information. Yeah, they're taking it seriously as well. So we want to we want to hear your opinion of it. Tell us if you have joined, if you are joining. Um, tell us if there are concerns about the organization. Uh, tell us if, most importantly, whether you think uh, the rites and rituals described actually um, actually have efficacy, whether they work. Out of respect for. You know, the idea of uh, initiation and, and the idea of secrecy, uh, we have not described any specific rituals other than to say it's not, you know, it's not like eating eyeballs or flaying people alive or any any of that movie stuff. Um, and if you want to learn more, there are people who are glad to share that information with you. You could tell us about your experiences uh, tell us about other secret organizations and tell us whether you think uh, there are forms of magic that are real by finding us on our own uh, kind of magical order of these times, the internet. Mm-hmm. You can find us at Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter and Facebook, Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. We recommend joining our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy, where you can exchange memes, have spirited conversations about episode topics, and maybe make a new best friend. That's right. You can also give us a phone call. Check it out, you guys. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you choose to pick up your phone and call, please do the following. Give us the name you'd like for us to refer to you as. If it's not your real name, that's fine. Just say whatever you want us to call you, and we'll call you that. Give, uh-huh. Leave us your message. Try and keep it a little brief if you can. Leave it under that three minutes. And then if you want to tell us anything just personally, just talking to... Ben, Noel, and myself, Paul, Alexis, whoever, uh, just keep that right at the end of the message. That'll help us put everything together, edit it quickly, and then get it on the air. We do appreciate you calling in and taking the time to do it. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you. If you don't want to do any of that stuff, hey, we've got a great way for you to connect with us, especially if you've got a longer story or a suggestion with a bunch of links or something. Please send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. Oh! 
OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 